Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone. Today is April 16th, 2019. And today we're, there's a lot to talk about. And unfortunately, the media is kind of in a lull. And this uh, Notre Dame fire, I would say the fact that France allowed it to burn is at, uh, you know, the top talking points, along with crazy Bernie Sanders and much, much more. Today, I wanted to stick to what's important, and that's discussing the visit of uh, uh, the president of Ecuador today. He is in the United States. Uh, There has been no announcement if prior to uh, his uh, commitment to speak at an event uh, for Inter-America Dialogue uh, at 5 p.m. today, There's no confirmation if he's meeting with the president of the United States or any other state official. So I have my eyes out on that. Um, That is something that we should um, kind of skim through and see if any announcements of such are being made. But I wanted to discuss yesterday's events, today's events, and what we expect to come out in the next couple days. And... um, Where do we start? I think we should start on what our president said yesterday while he was in Minnesota. Uh, His talk at NUS, you know, uh, which is like a trucking company, uh, was more like a cozy event, more so just to discuss the economy and tax reform, but he wasn't really able to rally up or be super high energy because obviously they would then use that against him and say in a time of global mourning for Notre Dame, how could you say this? But he began and ended his speech with the following. The fire that they're having at the Notre Dame Cathedral Uh, is something like few people have witnessed. Uh, When we left, we had a whole group of your great representatives. And when we left uh, the plane, uh, it was was, uh, burning at a level that you rarely see a fire burn. It's one of the uh, great treasures of the world, uh, the greatest artists in the world. Probably, if you think about it, I would say, Jovita, it might be... uh, greater than almost any museum in the world, and it's burning very badly. It looks like it's burning to the ground. So, so uh, that puts a damper on what we're about to say, to be honest, because that is uh, beyond countries. That's beyond anything. That's a part of our, uh, our growing up. It's a part of our culture. 
It's a part of our lives. That's a, a truly great cathedral. And I've been there, and I've seen it, and there's no cathedral. I think I could say there's probably no cathedral in the world like it. It's a, tar it's a terrible scene. They think it was caused by, at this moment, they don't know, but they think it was caused by renovation. And I hope that's uh, the reason. Renovation, you know, what's that all about? But it's a terrible sight to behold. Renovation, what's that all about? So let's remember that yesterday on air, uh, I didn't really want to discuss uh, Notre Dame and uh, the fire, only because it's just one of many such uh, religious well, no, all of them. No need to mention, but when I saw that the president of the United States said, why aren't you using flyers? That was a big deal because it took Macron over an hour to get any fire truck there. And my friends and family that were in Paris said it seemed as if they were gushing gasoline from the hoses rather than actual water. Now, a few media outlets decided to discuss how using water flyers is not feasible, how the sheer weight of the water falling would corrupt the structure of the building, et cetera, et cetera. Now, let's keep in mind that flyers do have the ability to drop water all in one go, or to release it slowly. So this uh, integrity structure and how using flyers wouldn't work is wrong. Remember, our president is a builder. And as a builder, he knows structures of buildings. I can tell you that in 2004, the city of Paris had, was it? No, it wasn't 2004. That's, that's wrong. It was 1994. They received a paquet de l'eau. It was money from the European Union uh, to, you know, help, uh, I would say, change the way the economy is within France to align with what guidelines the European Union has set. Now, some of that money was actually used to install, guess what? Guess what? Sprinkler systems within the cathedral and anti, you know, fire systems in place. So it seems super curious that they, I think at that time it was something like 20 million euros to do that. Anyway, uh, I wanted to play a clip because, you know, everyone's like renovations, but it has, these renovations have been going on for a very, very long time uh, throughout almost a millennium of the cathedral existing. And so timing is curious. Discussions about these renovations is curious, but more so were videos surfacing where people were at the top um, of the cathedral. I don't know if any of you actually have gone to the top of the cathedral. I have. It's like somewhat like 300 steps. You go up there or whatever. Um, but there was someone at the top and then you see someone in a, in a thumb, you know, which is like your typical Arab dress walking along while the place is on fire. I thought no one was there. So it was really 
weird. And the fact that Macron seemed to allow it to burn was even more dubious. But I wanted to play a clip. A clip where they were discussing on how they were looking for people to fund this. Also, during these renovations that they supposedly had in place and were ongoing, and I I can tell you they've been ongoing since the 90s, they removed statues and artwork in the area that caught fire first. Take a listen to this little clip about a guy describing why Notre Dame is looking for a savior uh, that was aired a long time ago. The crown of thorns said to have been worn by Jesus. Conservationists say the building is in desperate need of repair. Roxana Saberi got rare access to parts of the 855-year-old cathedral that are starting to deteriorate. For 13 million visitors a year, Notre Dame Cathedral soars in splendor. Notre Dame um, is beautiful. It has been worth every minute of my time. But beyond its facade, can you tell? I I could not tell. (laughs) Look closely, you'll see. This majestic medieval monument is falling apart. You see a piece of the pinnacle here, and you see uh, two pieces of the railing. Michel Picot is raising money to keep the cathedral from crumbling. On the roof, he showed us walls chipping stones stapled together and gothic gargoyles used to drain rain replaced with plastic pipes so here what we see is a, a wooden railing which has been uh, put to replace the original uh, railing which was here years of rain snow and pollution are eroding the flying buttresses that prop the cathedral up therefore there's a risk to the whole yes, cathedral yes, exactly. falling down yes, exactly. <laughs> Church officials say the cathedral is, for now, safe to visit, but it has reached a tipping point. We are behind Notre Dame in the backyard. These are stones that have either fallen off the cathedral or were at risk of falling off. There are hundreds of them here. The hope is to fix them up and put them back. But the Archdiocese of Paris says it can't afford all the fixes, estimated at $185 million. The French government, which owns the cathedral, has pledged around $50 million. That leaves a bill of $135 million. To raise the rest, Picot helped launch the Friends of Notre Dame of Paris Foundation. It's working to find private donors in France and across the Atlantic. We know that Americans are wealthy, and so this is clear that uh, we go where we think we can find money to help uh, restore the cathedral. Some Americans may ask, why should we help pay to fix your national monument? Notre Dame de Paris is not a a Paris monument or a French monument or a European monument, but it's really a, a worldwide monument. The monument last got a major makeover more than 150 years ago, inspired partly by Victor Hugo's description of its decaying state in the hunchback of Notre Dame. But the cathedral spokesman says today the government is overwhelmed with other monuments that need maintenance, and many French people feel by paying taxes, they're already doing enough to help the church. Nobody wants to do this work in in France. We need to ask American people to help us. He points out that Notre Dame is a part of American history. And to these Yanks, merci, merci beaucoup, the Parisians. French and U.S. troops celebrated there after liberating Paris from Germany in World War II. 
And for many Americans, it's been a top tourist destination. I love it. That's me. I'm a history person. It's really beautiful. I like the stained glass windows and all the beautiful colors and the history to it. Entry for everyone is free. I asked Monsignor Patrick Chauvet why he couldn't raise money for repairs by charging a fee. Because we are not in a museum, he said. We are in an active, living church. This is a place of grace. It now depends on the good grace of others to survive. For CBS This Morning, Roxana Saberi, Paris. All right. So, uh, so this is an active church that has burned down during Holy Week. And this has been pretty curious. Reports aren't allowed. I, I hear that in Europe, any video footage that is being uploaded indicating persons in the building, showcasing persons in the building are being suppressed and removed. And this could align with the all of a sudden Facebook going down thing that was highly dense in the United Kingdom and Zurich and France uh, just like a little over 24 hours ago, if you remember, prior to the cathedral burning. So having said that, uh, it is quite concerning as someone who adores history because history teaches us I would say not teaches us, lays out the path for our future and shows us our previous mistakes in order to ensure that we avoid them now uh, has uh, been removed. Uh, I, my eldest daughter has been in uh, the Notre Dame uh, Cathedral as a toddler. Uh, my youngest will never see it the way it was. And to be honest with you, when I saw Barack Hussein Obama tweet out a picture of himself, obviously, He's the center of everything and urging of we will rebuild and suddenly all these private donors coming forward, even though for a very long time they've been trying to raise money, uh, kind of seemed like a almost money grab. And I would not put it past them. You know, there are reports that there was some woman that was arrested on Friday uh, for car bombing outside of the cathedral. There's a lot going on, but you know... What if, indeed, this is just a money grab? Because so long they've been waiting to raise funds to fix this and can't. And all of a sudden, all these donors are coming out. That would kind of make sense. That it was an orchestrated plot for money grabbing. Kind of like, you know, climate change. Give us your money and we'll save the planet. Because you're all going to die in 12 years. So shifting gears... I would like to first take a look at what our president has, says, has said this morning, and then we'll visit the Justice Department and talk about banks, because no one's talking about that on mainstream media. So here we go. The president's first tweet of the day is a must-read. Andy McCarthy's column today, Dirty Dealings of Dirt Devils Who Concocted the Trump-Russia Probe. We'll get into that. The greatest scam in political history, if the mainstream media were honest, which they're not, this story would be bigger and more important than Watergate. Someday. He tweets out, no collusion, no obstruction. 
And then he tweets out, so weird to watch Crazy Bernie on Fox News. Not surprisingly, Brett Baer, an audience, was so smiley and nice. Very strange. And now we have Donna Brazil. So we'll talk about Bernie, too. I think maybe we should start on this Rush, Trump-Russia hoax, and we'll circle back to what I've been saying about Assange. And in order for everyone to get in with the whole context of it, I think it's important that I play a clip that uh, Gateway Pundit editor James Hoft put together. I may pause in between, but this is important for you guys to listen, especially with the fact that Sean Hannity has deleted all references of WikiLeaks in his Twitter feed. So that's interesting. Take a listen to this. This information or anybody associated with Russia. Uh, our source is not a state party. So uh, th- the answer for our interactions is no. You did not get this information about the DNC, John Podesta. I just wanted to say this is from January 3rd, 2017, where Sean Hannity is interviewing Assange. These emails, can you tell the American people a thousand percent you did not get it from Russia or yes. anybody associated with Russia? We, we can say, um, we have said uh, repeatedly uh, over the last two months uh, that our source uh, is not the Russian government uh, and it is not a state party. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange on this program back in January denying Russia had anything to do with giving WikiLeaks the DNC emails during the 2016 election. Early this month, Republican Congressman Dana Rohrabacher of California traveled to London. He met Assange face to face, the first congressman to do that. Following the meeting, Rohrabacher predicted that if the American people knew the information that Assange has, and he would be the one guy that knows the truth or where it all came from, They would be outraged over the time that was wasted blaming Russia for this particular hack. And now Congressman Rohrabacher says that a meeting is being arranged between him and the president to discuss what he was told by the WikiLeaks founder. So let me stop right there for a second. So first of all, uh, uh, Rohrabacher, did I pronounce that right, Um, went to see Julian Assange on August 16, 2017, spent a little over three hours uh, discussing this matter. And indeed, he is discussing how he can meet with the president, which I've already written about and told you, but I'll reinforce, that General Kelly said no. And I'll explain to you why this meeting never happened. Because if indeed the president was provided the gray hard drive that Dana brought with him from the United Kingdom with all the evidence that it is not Russia that hacked the DNC and leaked those emails, then that would be classified as obstruction. And this was widely reported for, uh, you know, four weeks after his visit nationwide on print, social, and TV media that General Kelly said no and directed the congressman to provide that to the intelligence community. Now, former NSA whistleblower Bill Binney, 34-year veteran, he's also questioning the Russian hacking story. Watch this. The NSA, for example, has all the fiber optic taps across the United States and even around the world, plus trace route programs embedded in hundreds of places all over the network. 
So I knew they would know if, uh, if packets were being passed around the U.S. or outside the U.S. or anywhere in the world, they could trace them and see who got them. I mean, they did that several years ago with the Chinese hack that came in and said it came from that building, I think, in Shanghai. Well, they could do the same thing with virtually any hack. So my, right away, I began to question that uh, assertion that they were hacking into the DNC. Now, I had Bill Binney on my radio program. He said 99% certainty, 34-year veteran, NSA that it was not Russia. Now, some news outlets have also been reporting that former U.S. spies doubt this Russia hacking narrative, including Bloomberg. They were in an article entitled, Why Some U.S. Ex-Spies Don't Buy the Russia Story. Even the liberal nation, they wrote a report, a new report, raises big questions about last year's DNC hack. The Washington Times did the same thing. Joining us now, California, Congressman Dana Rohrbacher. One, I want to give you credit. It is true that if there's one person on earth that would know the source of this, wouldn't it be Julian Assange of WikiLeaks? And isn't it true WikiLeaks has never been wrong in 11 years? Well, uh, I don't know if they've never been wrong, but I know that he's the ultimate source. Never been proven WikiLeaks. wrong. And in the material yeah, well, they've released. Proven wrong. Oh, yeah. The things that he released were honest and truthful. Now, some of the things he released, I'll have to admit to you, I would have preferred him not releasing. I thought it was wrong, but you take a balance of what's happened. He's disclosed massive amounts of information of which the government's been keeping secret from us. And I think it's a good thing that American people have transparency in their government. One thing, and I've interviewed him four times on radio and one time on TV, and, and I, I asked him numerous times, would you ever release anything that would put people in the field, innocent people, in harm's way? And he swore he would not. Are you convinced that that's true? Because I can't think of an instance. Can you? Well, when you say it's whether or not someone is intentionally doing that, I certainly don't believe that he would intentionally put American intelligence or military people at risk. But some of the things that have Okay, so I'm going to pause that and I'm going to play a little bit more of what Dina and Sean were discussing on the show. But I wanted to stop there for a second because this is something that I reiterated. Julian Assange, in 11 years of operation, has never been proven to have falsified any documentation, has proven, has never been proven to have, uh, you know, disclosed his sources, right? He never does that, ever. That's uh, the epitome of a good journalist. But he also is very selective in what he releases, and if you look at the, the, the article that I wrote about Assange, where you can actually find the link to all the chat logs, you will see him clearly, if that is him on the jabber text with Manning, saying that he cannot release some information. I can't release that. I can't talk about that because he would never intentionally put any assets in harm's way. He would never... Uh, put anything out there that could cause harm to civilians and innocent persons or expose location of assets. If you notice, everything that he does publish is after the fact or war crimes or deceit of the people by government officials. So anyone saying that what he has put out has caused harm to innocent lives is false. He has never done that. And it's important for people to understand that this man has 
the information about the source. And he has constantly stated it was not Russia. It was not a state actor that provided me this information. And just like every other person that has worked in intelligence, I can say there is no way that we don't know who hacked what. And this is why the cybersecurity chief at the time in August of 2017 stood up on ESPN and they have scrubbed that video. And unfortunately, my computer hard drive had crashed on my Mac. So that was replaced and I don't have it anymore. And I'm still searching for it. Hopefully one of you out there that are listening can find it. He clearly said that for some reason the operations were bottlenecked and based on the information that CrowdStrike provided in regards to their analysis of who actually hacked the DNC seemed to be manufactured code. And if it was up to him, he would say that it originated from someone in China, but he's not sure because it was manipulated by keying in or manufacturing. So kind of picture it like a fingerprint. It's like inserting fingerprints upon fingerprints. So this is really important for you guys to understand because what I'm going to delve into will probably indicate, and I'm, and I'm still in the middle of writing the article, trying to make it flow more. But from this Mueller report, if this information is omitted, Mueller is in trouble. If it is included, Mueller is in trouble. Why? Because Julian Assange has already provided the U.S. government via Dana the evidence that the DNC was not hacked by Russians. So right after this break, I will continue playing this clip and we will analyze it step by step. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. 
If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. And now we will just analyze what I, I expect Mueller to actually be indicted in a criminal conspiracy. And if not, I'm going to be writing to my senators, my congresspersons, and those that are not of my state to ensure that he is questioned to that fact. Because if he has omitted the evidence provided by Dana or included it in his report, he is guilty either way, and I will demonstrate that to you. And hopefully that will help me figure out how to put it in writing um, in an easier-to-follow way. So just to recap... Julian Assange had told Sean Hannity on multiple occasions that there was no Russian state actor, no Russia involved in the DNC hacks. Dana stated the same. Now let's continue to hear what Dana had to say uh, after his three hour and some minutes meeting with Julian Assange on August 16, 2017. And it's important to note 2017. That means Mueller was already in place a few months and was investigating this. Yes. I have come out and uh, uh, I would have preferred, I would think. Yeah. And well, not only embarrassing, but, it, but perhaps it's something that would have been best handled uh, behind the scenes. But the, our government and all governments around the world have tried to hide massive amounts of information about what they're doing from their own people. And I think that what we have in WikiLeaks is, a, is an exposure that, yeah, I don't of mean those things that they want to keep secret. You know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, three times, five times. Allegedly, Julian Assange at 16, Kim.com at 16, hacked into the DOD, hacked into NASA. Now, he's 45. At what point is it America's fault that we have not built the cybersecurity to prevent that from happening? And can, at some point, do we blame our own government for its failure? 
Well, I, I will just have to say that I don't think our government should have as many secrets uh, as they have, and they've been keeping information from us. And uh, well, Julian Assange's operation. Well, we I should be Julian unhackable Assange's after thirty-five years. Well, we should be unhackable, but we also we should make sure that information that doesn't deserve to be secret should be available to the American people. Okay. And in that, Julian Assange is doing a great service. Let's talk about a great service. So he would be the one person that knows where this information come, came from. Right. Do you believe that this Trump? Russia collusion narrative will be proven false and do you believe he holds the key? The answer is absolutely yes and I think that this Russian narrative that you're talking about this idea this unrelenting sinister uh, you know story about how Trump colluded with the Russians in order to steal the elections is a total con job it's a fraud and it's masking a power grab because what they're doing is they're trying to undermine the ability of the person the voters voted for to they're undermining his his ability to assume the power and authority and appointments that the president of the United States so, has given authority to do by clear. the voters. It is possible that the media has lied to the American people and the Democrats have lied to the American people for nearly a year and that they've disrupted the flow of information and, and manipulated the flow of information in this country for nearly a year. You're saying, you, what is the percentage certainty that this has all been a lie? Oh, I would, in terms of what I believe, and after looking into this, I think it's about 99% that it's a total lie. This is a, uh, oh and of course, you've had these people who politicized our intelligence agencies, uh, the, the Obama appointees, who jumped into here into this, giving credence to the to a total fraudulent uh, analysis okay. of what happened, and this was not something where Russia bring you back next colluded week. with Trump with, with Trump in order to Doesn't steal the Robert elections. Mueller, then, this, they are stealing the elections. Doesn't you know, Robert Mueller it, then need to talk to Assange? Doesn't he need to at least look at the evidence or attempt to get the evidence? Does he care well, about the truth? People, and does these it, people haven't even looked at Hillary Clinton's? Collusion with the Russians, where they put tens of millions of dollars uranium into, into, into yes, in, into the Clinton Foundation, unbelievable. But then they want to find out: Did someone with President Trump actually talk in some ways? Okay. And then they they complain about me. By the way, just I'm about to lose you. I've had a lot of people who attack me. I am the chairman of the committee that oversees our relations with Russia. It is my job. To you find have this a out. specific message for the President of the United States, but it's only one that you could tell him privately. That's In this correct. environment, is it going to be hard to tell him privately? Because, oh, Dana Rohrbacher is now sending back messages from Julian Assange. If, is that going to be possible? And if not, will you go public with what you know? And, and obviously, Julian Assange probably wants to just be left alone to go to Ecuador, is what I'd imagine, right? <laughs> I think that's probably it. I think what we have here, it's really important for the truth to be known. And I think the President of the United States needs to hear uh, what's, what the details are. And I understand that a meeting with myself and the President is being arranged. So at that point, okay. the, the American, but the purpose is to alert the American people to the truth of what uh, of this whole if situation If he has is. the truth that will blow this lie out of the water that you're saying and 99% certainty, right. does he deserve um, immunity to, if he reveals the truth well, to the American people? Well, the, 
Well, if the truth is revealed to the American people, this is a game changer in this unrelenting, hostile attack by the media and this power grab by the left, uh, right. left wing. And if he helps thwart that, yeah, he deserves a, a reward. Okay, so that interview was done uh, when Dana came back. And this was done before Dana received the no, you're not allowed to from General Kelly. And the reason that, uh, you know, General Kelly said no, it's because it would be viewed as obstruction. Now, here's where we break it down. So Dana had the evidence. Dana had also mentioned on air, and this is why Hannity asked that question. This is how these interviews go, uh, feeder questions, which is I want to put it across, that we should offer immunity to Sanj if he gives us the proof that this is all a hoax. And remember, this is August of 2017. August. And if you check in my article, there are links to like the uh, Orange County Register, which is like a local paper to where uh, Dana resides in California and other outlets where he said he had the hard drive with all the evidence. So this is really important because what people are not paying attention to are cases that are being discussed right now in the courts to understand just how deep and how manufactured this DNC hack is. So let's take two scenarios, right? So the first scenario is that General Kelly said no, instructed the representative to provide the evidence to Mueller, and Mueller takes this evidence and puts it in his report but doesn't follow up on it because whatever. It's Assange. I don't trust him. Even though he would provide evidence. Hey, here's the date I received it. Here's this. You can forensically check it. It came from this guy. It came from this way. It was mailed. This was the USB drive or this was the CD or this is the way it was dropped on a link. Whatever. And he buries it and doesn't look into it, but in turn proceeds a year later almost to the date of Dana obtaining this evidence. On July 23rd, 2018, Mueller indicted Russian nationals for hacking the DNC. Are you paying attention? This means that if he received the evidence, he did not follow up on it. He decided, no, I'm going to continue to propagate throughout every corner of this planet that Russians did this. I will not come clean and state that it was done by a DNC employee. Here's the kicker. When was Hillary Clinton's server actually hacked? See, according to the indictment that Mueller filed, it was in April of 2016. That's funny. I know that a lot of us knew the existence of these emails on their way to WikiLeaks and having been stored on some certain Chan boards in March of 2016. So here's how I see it. If indeed... The evidence indicated that it was done by a U.S. citizen employed by the DNC who was upset that millions of Bernie ballots were being tossed 
so that Hillary can be propped up. And in March, decided to collect this information and transmit it. If Mueller indicts them in April, he can say that, oh, well, you know, I didn't know any better. See, I I, I found this stuff tracing to them in April. (laughs) Did you? That's funny because they were kind of public and kind of in WikiLeaks hands in March of 2016. So if they had it in their possession, just like millions of people around the world probably did, um, look at these un, at that time, verified emails, because one thing Assange did was take his time to verify every single piece of evidence that he was dropping. He didn't just get a file and dump it. He validated it. So how many people around the world had access to this in March? Tons. So would Mueller's excuse be, well, you know, I saw that maybe these Russians had it in April, and so that's it. Like, I didn't see that they hacked the server, but they might have had it in their possession. So since they had it in April, and I could trace that they were exchanging it with other people, then, yeah, the Russians did it, even though they didn't. So that's scenario number one, where he took the evidence and said, nope, it led me to Russians. I don't care what the evidence says. It's Russians because I say it's Russians. It's kind of like when a murder happens and a police officer decides it's John Doe. And no matter how much evidence you show that it's not John Doe, it's John Doe. And they will have John Doe in a hot box until John Doe says he did it. Are you getting it? So if it is included in the Mueller report, the questions that should be asked are, did you contact Julian Assange? Pretty sure if you sent him an email or called him, he would have answered your call. Did you request information from Assange to verify the information that you were provided from the representative? That's if the representative handed it over to the intelligence community, which in turn, the intelligence community would have to hand that over to the Mueller investigation because he's looking at Russian collusion and Russian hacking, right? So, and that would totally kill the narrative. So here's where we have, if he did take it, did he ask, did he reach out? Mm -mm. No, he didn't. Because if he did, Julian Assange would have let us know. So there's that. He didn't ask. He didn't care to verify it. Or maybe he took it and created a narrative to push it out a couple weeks from the actual date of the hack and then dress it up and charge Russian nationals. So knowingly, intentionally, and knowingly filing a false indictment, which by the way, this indictment, these charges against these Russian nationals were given to a department of the government where things go to die because the people that receive this indictment have no way of actually doing what? Arresting or literally charging or extra. It's literally, it was literally sent to the dark corner of the government to die. So it was all for show. There goes that. Now let's take the other scenario where he didn't get the hard drive from Dana, where he didn't even follow up on Representative Dana's allegations. 
right? So let's call them allegations. He's all over TV. It's all over the media. Are you saying that Mueller and the rest of his team didn't see that there was someone on TV, on print, paper, social media, YouTube, the whole nine yards for over five weeks? Didn't see that someone says, well, I have proof it wasn't the Russians. Now, as a special counsel and an investigator, someone that's pouring in to this investigation and using federal taxpayer dollars to prove that it was Russia, would you not follow up on a lead if there's some exculpatory evidence against the Russian state? I'm just saying. That, that is actually your obligation. So did he reach out? To the representative? I don't know. I still haven't received a response from Dana, but after the show, I'm going to keep following up with his office. Because the question lies, did you follow up on something that may have solved your case months into your appointment about the DNC hack? I mean, he went so far into Manafort and Cohen's financials, so far into it, you would think that if there was anything exculpatory for the DNC side of things and the whole WikiLeaks drop email stuff, that he would follow up on it. I mean, was he and the rest of his team living under a rock? Did none of them look at a newspaper, watch Hannity, because they all do, Tucker, YouTube, anything? No? That doesn't make sense, does it? And here's the funny part. If he knew that there was exculpatory evidence, if he already knew that this information existed in cyberspace, in the dark corners, and then more of the visible, untraceable corners like the Chan boards, then why would he go ahead and indict Roger Stone for being implicated in WikiLeaks when Roger Stone didn't hack the DNC. And, you know, obviously the WikiLeaks email drop of the DNC was not related to Russia. Well, because the only way he could indict Roger Stone is if what? He indicted Russian nationals for it. Because there's no, you can't, you know, follow and attack a U.S. citizen for discussing things that could have very important information on a candidate that's running. Like, how do you do that? Oh, yeah, you can, as long as they're linked to Russia, because then that's an indirect connection to Russia. So this is how he warped up Roger Stone. Again, false allegations. But here's something people don't know. So there were... um, Back in 2018, when uh, when these Russians were being indicted a really weird thing came to mind. So one thing people need to understand that um, prosecutors in general throughout the whole United States on a state or federal level can go to a grand jury. It's kind of like the FISA court where they only, the, the grand jury just hears their side and they can get an indictment for like, you know, a donut. They can indict a donut if they want to. That's how last it is. They can indict anyone for anything as long as, you know, uh, they can, you know, make a really, really good case about it. Well, here's the deal. There was a Russian company connected to these Russians that supposedly hacked the DNC. And it was called Concord Catering. So during the hearings, um, you know... uh, which is, you know, they were one of the defendant companies, I guess. Uh, there was a 
company called Concord Management um, that was kind of supposed the same. Now, Concord Management's company was asked by the judge, hey, are you representing Concord um, uh, Catering? And the lawyer said, um, no. He's like, but they're the same company. He's like, yeah, but that company didn't exist uh, in 2016 when Mueller said they did this. Uh, So the judge was really confused. It's really hard to indict a company that didn't exist, right? Uh, That company was actually um, put forward and done in June of 2017, you know, because it's a foreign entity and, um, you know, you need uh, U.S. approvals because, you know, working as a Russian company, you know, you have some sanctions and whatnot. So what I don't understand is, so did Mueller... Was Mueller so desperate to make this look Russian that he indicted a company that didn't even exist during 2016 just to get these Russian nationals indicted? Are you guys getting this? This guy literally manufactured... an indictment against a company that didn't exist at the time that the supposed hack was done. Are you getting this? This is all well-documented. This is why I'm telling you this is of great importance. Now, before we go further, I just want to play a clip. It's, it's a shorter clip. Uh, again, um, Jim Hoft from Gateway Pundit uh, published this on uh, – YouTube. Just take a listen again where Hannity's talking with Dana. Now, according to a report from the AP, the House Intel Committee has officially subpoenaed the Justice Department and the FBI for information related to the now-debunked Trump-Russia dossier. Now, you might remember this dossier made, well, extremely obscene, fake allegations about then-candidate Trump. And according to a piece by Byron York in the Washington Examiner, quote, the subpoenas are an indication of growing frustration inside the committee over the FBI and Justice Department's lack of cooperation in the Trump-Russia investigation. Here with reaction, California Congressman Dana Rohrabacher. Congressman, how is that possible? Because, you know, how do they, if you have subpoenaed and you're the committee, how are they not turning this over to you, especially well, now that we know that it's false and phony and fraudulent? Well, obviously what's happened is that the FBI and our and various people in our intelligence community have been politicized by this rule of liberal left democrats uh you know eight years of control of our uh, executive branch of government by uh one of the furthest left presidents we've ever had if not the furthest left uh this is politicized and degraded the the uh, uh the quality and the standards of our intelligence community and the fbi this is a this is what obama left us uh how horrible is that you met with julian assange yes i've interviewed him five times radio and tv wikileaks has never been proven wrong in 11 years you told me on radio you believe him and he's told you that he can prove and he would be the one person that know that knows where the information came from that leaked on the dnc he told you he has incontrovertible irrefutable evidence that in fact shows russia was not involved 
That's correct. And now, when that, when we realize if that's the case, that Russia was not involved in uh, hacking or or stealing those uh, those emails from the Democratic National Committee and then having them disclosed. Once we know the Russians weren't involved, then we have to understand that this massive propaganda campaign, this this historic con job that happened after the election to prevent our president from exercising the powers granted him by the voters. How? This is one of this is one of the great crimes, political crimes against the American people in our history. How? So before the break, I just wanted to note, imagine, right? They already know that Russia did not hack the DNC and the RNC, by the way. So they know that for a fact. So in March, when everyone met with Hillary Clinton, this was discussed. And in April, they had CrowdStrike manufacturing code, CrowdStrike that is not an approved third-party vendor for the FBI, CrowdStrike that was the one that helped on the imaging of Hillary Clinton's uh, email server, CrowdStrike that was funded by Robert Bauer, the attorney that was also representing Barack Hussein Obama before and as White House counsel and after, along with Barack. Barack Hussein Obama's nonprofit organization, Hillary for America and the DNC. So he paid them in April so they can mitigate or, as they say, find out who hacked the server. So you're checking to see who hacked the server in April, even though the hack happened in March. But you're indicting Russians of hacking the server in April. Still doesn't make sense, doesn't stick. Which means that Mueller who was at the time FBI director, remember, when they first started spying on President Donald J. Trump in late November of 2012. And that is coming. I've got some really damning evidence. You know, a lot of people that have worked within the intelligence community are angry. Because when you're trying to hide under the guise of national security, this illusion that the people of the United States should not be afforded transparency and they should just trust them. You know, you kind of get angry. You realize that you were a tool too. So after the break, we're going to analyze what kind of criminal conspiracy was conducted, concocted by Mueller, the DNC, Obama's FBI, and intelligence community. I'll see you all in a few. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. 
we'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Uh, remember, you can always follow me on Gab and Twitter at Tori underscore says. You can also join the Red State Talk Radio Facebook group where discussions ensue and uh, lots of content is shared. But always, you can find me here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Standard Time. So like I was saying, and an article that I published this morning about um, the ADL, uh, the Anti-Defamation League, and Ocasio-Cortez, the policy of the deep state, this fourth unelected shadow government is, if you don't have the stats or the evidence, manufacture it. That's the way it goes. You manufacture it. This is evident from the indictments that Mueller has put forward. And I expect him to be indicted for not only obstructing justice, but manufacturing information. And this can indeed and may possibly be one of the two criminal conspiracy uh, referrals that were made by Nunes. And I am hoping that this is coming to fruition. Now, Having said that, I am waiting for Julian Assange to be sent to the United States. Uh, Everyone who is purporting, oh my gosh, when he comes here, they're going to do this to him. They're going to do that to him. They are not going to do anything. He holds the keys to the kingdom. And if the United Kingdom does not fork him up on Thursday, we should see their names and expose their participation in a global collusion against the American people. To deny us the right of voting, to deny us the right of a duly elected president, because they said so. And like I've said, and I said yesterday, their whole plan was to corrupt our government, to destroy our infrastructure. I mean, why else would you open up your borders and bring in millions of illegal migrants when you've lost 5.1 million jobs in just under a year? When you have shut down manufacturing, unemployment rate is skyrocketing, why would you bring more people into a country when there are no jobs for them? There aren't enough jobs at the time of the Obama administration for the Americans that are born and raised and live here. We're going to bring illegal migrants? Sounds dubious because it is. Because it was an orchestrated event. Now let's move on to these lies that being, uh, you know, and manufactured information. I want to play a short clip of Ocasio-Cortez talking about how there's so much information that is available to impeach President Trump and that she's so for it. And then we'll walk through 
what she used to defend Ilhan Omar. And we will be talking about the the Anti-Defamation League. It's over a century old and even cited in high courts of our nation as a, mm, I would say, reputable source of statistics. And they were the founders of the term hate crime. Let's take a listen to this short clip and what Ocasio had to say. The Democrats, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez now continuing her far-left crusade against anything, everything President Trump, but there's one itsy-bitsy problem. Reality just keeps getting in the way. Now, she was recently asked about her top three reasons to impeach the president. Got a little trouble answering the question. Kind of becoming common. Take a look. You could reach in a bag and pull so many things out that are impeachable of this president. I support impeaching this president. Two and three? Two and three. Um, I think two would be uh, tax fraud. Mm -hmm. And number three, um, man, I mean, there's just, there's just so much. (laughs) Let me ask. There's so much she couldn't answer the question. Tax fraud, really? Let's keep going. Like the census. The, there's, right. you know, I I can't even the the tax bill. It's like what can like? There's just so much. It's just just so many things that I can't find one. I'm what I'm working on it. All right. Also ramping up her radicalism on foreign policy and taking aim at one of our most important allies. Take a look at this. I think what we're really seeing is the ascent of authoritarianism across the world. I think that Netanyahu is a Trump-like figure. Would you be in favor of reducing military or economic aid to Israel? I mean, I think it's on the table. I think it's certainly on the table, and I think it's something that, that can be discussed. Now, while the Democratic primary is just beginning, Ocasio-Cortez is already making one thing clear. He doesn't want Joe Biden to be the nominee. Oh, boy. I guess she decides, not Nancy Pelosi. Take a look. This idea that we can go back to the good old days with Obama, with Obama's vice president. And I think, you know, there's there's a there's an emotional element to that. But I I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. Here with reaction. Founder of Skybridge Capital, Anthony Scaramucci, Fox News contributor, Rachel Campos Duffy is with us. Sorry, Mooch. Right, good to see you, man. Hey, great to be here, Sean. Um, all right. So. There's so many things. But uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> I mean, I'll start there. <laughs> well, I would say AOC out of New York ASAP. That would be my first thing to say. But yeah. secondarily, I think Nancy Pelosi, whose daughter said that she could cut somebody's throat without them even feeling it, is going to take her out. I, th- I don't think there's any well, chance. Well, she says there's only five of these extremists in her yeah, party. Yeah, but she's party. scared to death of the five. You think so, though? I don't know about that. I think, I think there's 100 supporting the New Green Deal. She's a remarkably successful survivor in Washington, and she's old school. And this sort of behavior, I don't think is going to last very long. It's just my honest opinion. They'll... Okay, so they're going to sit there and analyze why this um, won't, uh, you know cause harm to the Democratic Party. Listen, the Democratic Party has one thing. If you don't have the stats or the evidence to support your claims, you manufacture it. And this is something AOC has jumped on board. Now, I published an article earlier this morning demonstrating that. Uh, In response to Ilhan Omar and how, you know, she... (laughs) She decides that... uh, 
you know, first of all, that 9-11 was just something. And she's supporting her. She's pointing how right-wing extremists, she demonstrated that, using falsified statistics from the ADL. Uh, she said that we've had more deaths of you know, right-wing extremists in 2018 than anything. And here's the thing. I actually went and pulled this report she referenced, you know, in response to Den Crenshaw. I looked at it, and then I thought, whoa, I didn't know that the Parkland shooting was a right-wing extremist. Did you guys? No. I thought it was just a deranged teenager that was completely brainwashed and went on a shooting rampage. No. According to the ADL, it was a right-winger. Not only that, you remember the guy that was an incel? You know what an incel is, right? A guy that doesn't have sexual relations with women because, you know, he can't have sexual because women don't like him, so he hates women. Uh, You know, usually you find these guys in some, you know, basement watching porn all day and having tons of sticky keyboards lined out, you know, with spots and sitting on lawn chairs naked. Uh, Very demented human being, but yet this guy was troubled like that. And so he went on a shooting rampage and apparently he was a right-wing extremist too. Let's not stop there. Then they brought the example of the deranged Kentucky guy, Gregory Bush, who walked into a Walmart and started shooting people. And this guy was mentally ill. Like there in the article, I cited how the, how the judge in 2009 said he should have no guns. This guy is mentally unstable. So almost 10 years prior to him shooting people down randomly in a Walmart, but they just happened to be black people, right? Was a right wing extremist too. And here's the kicker. Guys, remember that 17-year-old boy uh, in Florida that was a converted jihadi, right? Where he admitted to stabbing uh, to death Giovanni Brand, who had just turned 13. He was idolizing celebrities, which, uh, you know, he was upset because, you know, that young boy that had just turned 13 was idolizing celebrities, which went against his own Muslim views. Police also said that uh, Corey Johnson stabbed his friend Eileen Simon 12 times and her 13-year-old son Dane more than 30 times, and both of them obviously survived after being hospitalized for a while. Now, Corey Johnson said that Dane, uh, the son of, uh, you know, his friend Eileen Simon, that he stabbed more than 30 times, uh, you know, deserved to be stabbed because he was making fun of his religious beliefs. His religion is Islam, right? And so Eileen's 15-year-old son, Kyle, told the police that he and Corey Johnson would often watch violent video about jihadists online. So wait a minute. So now the jihadi is a right-wing extremist. Are you getting this? Like, literally, they put that there. But they didn't say anything about what the police said, what the interview said. Here's what they said. One police report from an earlier incident involving Johnson characterized him as liking extremists, fascists, Hitler, and referred the teen as a white supremacist. However, by late 2016, he had become enamored with radical Islamist ideas. So this is, hold on. So this guy committed killings. 
in the name of jihad, in the name of Allah, right? But he was a white wing extremist. Are you guys getting this? And so this is how they calculated all these deaths. And apparently there were, uh, how many did they say? I think they said there were 50, right? 50 total deaths in 2018 due to right wing extremists. 78% of them were white supremacy that that is accounted for on the insane person that went into the the tree of life synagogue. Uh, He was a right wing extremist, of course, and the Parkland shooting. And then we had the incel extremism because all of these people, domestic Islamic extremism, incel extremism, anti-government extremism, white supremacy are all right wing extremists, according to the ADL. And here's the kicker. At the bottom, they put a chart of domestic Islamic extremist killings in the United States by year 2009 to 2018. Can you believe that the numbers are single digits? Like the largest number was in 2014, where three incidents by one perpetrator, four happened. You know what's weird? Is that... In 2018, they only cite one. I can cite three off the top of my head that I wrote down. And and this is the ones that we know because for some reason, whenever a, a jihadi attack happens, they conceal the fact that they're jihadis, right? So in 2018, unlike what the ADL said, who said that it was a right-wing extremist, Corey Johnson killed one person, uh, you know, in the name of jihad. Hafiz Kazi drove a minivan with, filled with propane into Travis Air Force Base, killing another. And Khalil Awal, you remember him? Mowing down pedestrians in Philadelphia and shouting, Alu Akbar? Come on, guys. So there's three of them where they killed people, just three, off the top of my head when I was writing this. And yet the ADL with so many resources, so much money and such a validated resource for this information didn't report any of those. Right? So that's really odd. Oh, and actually their factor of that one incident was Corey Johnson, who was deemed a right-wing extremist, but he's also part of the lethal domestic Islamist extremist incidents. Did we forget about Vegas? (laughs) Jeez. So if we actually did the work for the ADL, we would find that there were multiple and many more present than what they're saying. So I wanted to talk about the ADL. So kind of like the SPLC, the ADL is a tool that is used to propagate, to prop up, to promote, and to support radical left-wing ideologies, period. The ADL actually, believe it or not, was founded in 1913, And I write a little bit of history on that because a lot of white supremacists uh, that actually are anti-Semites will use this to demonstrate how rich Jews were the fault of everything. And the thing is, it's not rich Jews. It's just the elitists, the government elitists that use and create this. Okay? It just so happened that the first one was a Jewish guy. So the story goes that there was this guy named, uh, he was a businessman, very prominent, and he was the chapter um, president of uh, the Banelden, the ADL talks about their history so proudly. His name was uh, Leon Frank. 
So Leon Frank had a pencil factory. He violated child labor laws by employing children. Well, one 13-year-old girl went to the factory to, you know, get her measly paycheck of $1.20. And when she went there, Leon Frank raped her. Raped and murdered her so much, so viciously for the time. Uh, Like, he dragged her across the floors. The police found her hair and blood on the floor right by his office. Like, this guy was not even you know, bothered about it. And the police didn't even know who the girl was. And he was like, yeah, before they even told him, hey, we found this body. He was like, yeah, it's her. How did you know? So this is a a pedophile that raped and murdered a child that was, you know, working for him, uh, even though she shouldn't. And suddenly the ADL was created. This organization was created called the Anti-Defamation League. And they started to spin The fact saying that because Leon Frank was Jewish, this is why they went after him and pinned it on him that he raped and murdered this girl, even though all the evidence showed that he did everything. So he was sentenced to death, but the ADL raised money, raised hell, and they forced the governor of Atlanta to commute his sentence. But before it was commuted, guess what? The prisoners in jail... And the people of Atlanta took justice into their own hand and delivered what they called Southern justice. They beat him and they killed him and then they strung him out and hung him. So, you know, the ADL didn't stop there. You know, they went retroactively. I think in 1986, they got him, you know, to be pardoned for that crime after his death. Uh, It's pretty incredible. And even in the 70s in Congress, and I don't remember who had said it, but I remember watching a video a while back because I do like to see uh, debates within our House and our Senate from the 60s, 70s, and 80s because those were the times that they laid the foundation for the horrible garbage we're going through right now. And they stated that the Anti-Defamation League is one of the strongest units, stronger than any congressperson, stronger than any senator, because they drive legislation. In the guise of what? Hate crimes. They invented it. And we've seen it before. Remember when Kamala Harris and Cory Booker were pushing this anti-lynching bill? Suddenly the Jussie Smollett hoax happened. They manufacture hate. They manufacture hate statistics to promote their ideologies. It's pretty incredible, you guys, how they are able to do this. They skew, and the thing is, the mainstream media always also partakes. And all you have to do is look at who funds the ADL. They have tons of money. And you could see um, the contributions that they get. Are the, the majority are Democrats. It was in 2004 and 2006, Bush era, of course, that we saw Republicans contributing to them. Other than that, it's Democrats. And who do the Anti-Defamation League persons fund? They're all Democrats, except for Mark Kennedy, of course, of Minnesota, uh, who was a senator, uh, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Ed Royce, Lowey, Schumer, John Kerry, Gore, when he ran for president, Bill Bradley, when he ran for president, Bill Clinton, when he ran. I mean, this is 
their tool. They use these organizations. You know, maybe we should question their 501c status. Honestly, we should. Because they're supposed to be promoting great ideas, analyzing hate, you know, finding social grievances that we need to address. And in essence, they're manufacturing them. This is how they create a doffed society. Hence why we have a very doffed Ocasio-Cortez in Congress. I mean, she's not only doffed, she's dishonest. She's complete. You know, I, I don't like her only because she is not intelligent enough to articulate an idea. Uh, but regardless, you know, I kind of liked her fire. I liked it because I was like, you know what? She's faking it till she makes it. She'll, she'll get on board. No, she can't. She's just that dumb. And the thing is, if you're that dumb and you're not even trying to be honest, you know, that's a big problem. I mean, she's sitting there saying, oh, I don't want Joe Biden. Yeah, we all know who she wants. She wants Bernie Sanders. She's already come out with that. I mean, she was campaigning with him. And remember when she said, we're going to flip it red when she meant blue? Yeah. So she, she wants Bernie Sanders. She wants communism. That's the way she believes we should go forward. Communism. And like I said, Bernie Sanders is not going to make it. He's just not. So our state as a country heading into 2020 elections has a democratic party where an independent candidate because bernie's an independent he's not registered as a democrat senator right um is running for president again a man who has become insanely rich after you know turning 45 and getting into i don't know how civil servants become so rich man who is pushing this idea of Medicare for all, but has no idea how to pay for it yet. A man who at his rally on public property, on public property, held an open to the public rally where a conservative journalist for InfoWars um, entered. And when back, you know, when she entered, Katie walked in, sat down just to listen, didn't instigate, didn't say anything. She was just there. She was asked to leave. So he's also discriminating that regardless of what side of the aisle you sit on, if you truly believe in freedom, that should speak volumes. This is communism 101. We don't like your ideas or your phase. And even though you haven't bothered anyone or rubbed them the wrong way, just in case you decide to stand up and put him on the spot, even though you have the right to, we will kick you out before that because this is a private event and private property. First of all, public schools, not a private property. It is public property. And he's advertised it as a public event. This is who Ocasio stands by, who also stands by a woman who loathes the country she is supposed to be serving, Ilhan Omar. She loathes anything American. Don't talk about Christianity, man. I mean, she couldn't even tweet Notre Dame Cathedral. She called it art and architecture. Imagine if we took that cube in Mecca, right? Called that art and architecture, and that was on fire. That's the same thing. That's a something, right? This is the state that we are in, and you know what? 
watching back debates or reading uh, documented articles from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, it was inevitable. What we're seeing now is socialism has already come to our doorstep. It has already been implemented in many facets of our society and we just are too dumb to see it. It's been here. And now what we're doing is fighting it. Because the last last threshold is forfeiting all rights you have in the name of statism. Now, after this break, I want to discuss what I think. I've been doing some calculations, and I have some really weird um, theory to put out there. Very tinfoil hat-ish. Super fun, though. And I think a lot of you will be like, yeah, you know, that kind of makes sense Um, on a global level. So stay tuned for that. Now, finishing up with AOC. She is dangerous. And Pelosi understands how dangerous she is. And Pelosi has lost control of the house and hasn't realized it yet. That someone with an IQ of of her shoe size, and that's way too big, by the way, who can't articulate a phrase, who talks about impeachment but can't really think of reasons why, actual reasons, who pushes false Reports, manufactured information that indeed are what? Created to create what? Division, hate, and drive violent responses among our citizens. That's a big problem. I'll see you guys all in just a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. And this is the last half hour where I usually drop a few hints of what's to come. Like I said, uh, today I am expecting to see some news on the on um, uh, the president of Ecuador coming. I, I hear that Cassandra Fairbanks will be protesting outside of where he's going to be speaking. And um, I am expecting that Assange may be extradited to the United States tonight, possibly tomorrow, in lieu of this Mueller report. Now, um, what I wanted to talk about is socialism and communism on a global scale. And uh, James O'Keefe this morning tweeted out um, a new form. I don't want to do business a new form of silencing conservatives. Uh, if you guys notice, uh, uh, Ben Garrison cartoons, uh, GR Graphics has been banned from Instagram uh, for a post of a cartoon. They took it down and then they banned them uh, for violating their terms. And as you all know, Laura Loomer has been debanked uh, with Chase, if you remember. So now banks are starting to discriminate against individuals because they don't like them. So they are having a choice if they like you to offer you services as a bank. Thank God I don't bank with any of the mainstream banks. Thank God. I did that once, <laughs> once, well, twice, but I've been burnt most recently by going to a traditional bank. Uh, okay. So, uh, you know, mainstream. So here we go. Take a listen to this. What broke? Business with anyone who does business with Steve Bannon or any of these alt-right people, all right? Right, right. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we're we not connected with Steve Bannon. Okay, the person who is speaking right now is the, hold on, let me see, the, um, uh, give me a second, Chase Corporate Global Media Relations uh, Representative SRAM for Chase. And this is James O'Keefe, or a PV journalist to say, asking these questions. Take a listen. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, we, we're not connected with Steve Bannon. Do you, do you have standards in place that, you know, would preempt such a relationship with, with anyone, you know, um, of his, of oh, Steve Bannon? Really? Okay. Definitely, definitely, yeah. 
Right, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, Chase is not involved in any, uh, like, you know, all right, um, you know, people or anything. I mean, I really can't name any names, but, you know, it's, it's basically, like, we don't get involved in any of that, right? you know. No, we, right. we don't do business with any of those type of people. I mean, I certainly understand your concern. No, but we don't get involved with those type of people. Shadow banning. Deboosting, demonetizing, deplatforming. Recent Veritas investigations have exposed social media companies muting conservative political voices. But now we enter a new frontier finance and similar tactics seemingly being practiced by a major American bank. It's time to learn a new word debanking. So, I mean, on, on my end, I'm talking about people like. I don't know, like Trump supporters, for instance, um, the, the 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 MAGA, whatever, make whatever the hell they, those types of people. I mean, individuals. Right, right. I know what you mean, but you know, like like I said, the call is being recorded and monitored, so I I can't get political, you know, and um, say you know we don't support these people or this, but you know any. Any any kind of um, business entity, you know, people that have, you know, um, just no moral character or anything like that, the bank usually doesn't get involved with that. I would think that a bank that I've had a relationship with for 15 years would be like the best person to do business with. This is Enrique Tario, chairman of the Proud Boys and an entrepreneur who runs a controversial website called 1776.shop. He sells conservative merchandise, some of which is quite offensive. Nevertheless, if obscene words on t-shirts cause people to lose their bank accounts, Chase should be honest about it. They go through a certification process. It took three months to do. Uh, I told them what my business was about, which was an online store selling t-shirts, hats, coins. Process with them without a problem for almost uh, two months. I found a letter in my mail saying that the Chase Bank was going to close my account called both Chase Payment Tech and Chase Bank, both operators gave me exactly the same thing. I've never seen this before. I, I actually can't tell you why. I found that really weird, and I found the timing of it really weird. Yeah, so we have a, an alert that says uh, accounts being closed by compliance. Position is not reversible. Only clear about this account closure. Uh, should be directed to the executive office. That's why you came here hoping to find more information, but there is nothing that we can mm -hmm. tell the client. So now, can you can you speak with the client, or do you speak with the clients, or no? No, you don't speak to clients. No, they don't speak. Yeah, they don't have anything. They won't. They won't discuss it. I guess. So mind boggling. I see nothing that indicates any reason why the account should be closed. Enrique was at one bank. Uh, the woman's like, yeah, no, it's fine. And then I, I think she sort of saw one screen and went, whoa, and got weird. Uh, that's what I, I get whenever I look at not just PayPal, but any of these things. Facebook, Twitter, they go, yeah, I, I know people. So, guys, now we have banks actively debanking people. So if you're outspoken, this is how they instill fear. Now, I don't know how this is even flying. And I'm really hoping with the recent events that just happened in 2019, shutting people's accounts down for the associations they may have is unconstitutional. But remember, we have a party, the Democrats, that are seeking to rid of the Second Amendment, 
and rid the first one. And the first one has already been violated. If any of you believe that free speech and freedom of the press is honored in the United States, you got to be kidding me. We have the document that says we are, uh, you know, say, you know, we have that security, but in essence, in practice, that doesn't happen. How does a little guy like you or I who get their bank shut down because they're conservative fight it? Do you have money to go into civil court? Do you know how many they have armies of attorneys coming after you? This is how they silence you. This is how they come at you. By going for the person they know does not have the monetary means to fight. This is why I am shocked as to why people from both sides of the aisle, you know, because they claim America, land of the free, even on the left, the crazy leftists that cover their faces when they talk smack, that cover their faces because they're too embarrassed to show that their face for what they say, they supposedly purport that this is the land of the free and we should have free speech. Where are you? Why isn't there an open fund where people can contribute their money to support legal counsel for all people debate, no matter what side of the fence they sit on. This is really important because we have a communist coming up like Bernie Sanders who is going to rip a hole into this fabric of our nation and he's doing it and he's been doing it and I'm really glad that, you know, and it sounds bad, I'm really glad and grateful to the Obama administration for destroying, for the DNC destroying, for Hillary Clinton's campaign destroying ballots for Bernie Sanders last year. I'm very glad. And this year he's being taken care of another way. Socialism, communism, in the name of what? Safety and freedom and sanctuaries. In the name of forfeit your rights and you will be safe. No one will shoot you as long as you're careful with what you say and you abide with what we tell you. It sounds like slavery, only it's voluntary. So, as you know, I like to run uh, certain algorithms and discussions on closed groups with a bunch of nerds like me. And for the past month, we've been trying to decide this global movement, this uprise. How would the globalist cabal, these elitists, shut it down? So there are a lot of indicators that we use to, you know, find ways that they would literally stop this movement dead in its tracks globally, not just in the United States. In the United States, it would come at a secondary byproduct, but it would have to start in Europe. So we've already seen how Barack Hussein Obama, prior to the EU extension to the UK for Brexit, prior to the arrest and expulsion of uh, the arrest of Julian Assange and expulsion from the Ecuadorian embassy, prior to all that, they were discussing how people need to be more compliant, more welcoming, and understanding how mass migration, in other words, invasion, uh, can change the face of their city and how they need to be patient and more tolerant because this is 2019 and we're all one world <laughs> pushing that idea. 
of globalism faster. So here we have Europe, where people are uprising, marching, protesting against the European Union, against the laws. We have countries that are totally in disregard of what their people ask. We saw it in 2015 when Greece voted to leave the EU uh, with an overwhelming 62% vote, and the Prime Minister of Greece disregarded that and remained. We see the Brexit vote that happened, and still they have not Brexited. So how would they control the population? How do they stop this movement that Trump initiated in the United States when he announced he was running in 2015, which, by the way, like I said, hopefully by the end of this week, I will have all that evidence of the spying that commenced under Mueller as FBI director at the time in 2012 over the Trump organization, his family, and all his associates uh, and how this was done. So, again... How did they do this? So here's the craziest but most substantial theory that comes out. With an overwhelming 72% chance of being pushed in Europe, that they would actually stage an alien invasion. Like alien, not like alien, illegal aliens, like aliens like R2-D2, Star Trek, Greys, whatever you want to call them, coming down to Earth and attacking humans. And they would be able to do that because they control the majority of the media in the European Union. There are laws set of what you are allowed to share online and what you aren't. What the media is allowed to put out and what they, what they can't. Uh, media licenses are being pulled constantly on a daily basis throughout all European member states that do not comply with EU directives. So let's pretend they choose um, some, I don't know, maybe in the outskirts of southern France or Spain or northern Italy where an attack is to ensue. And this attack is done with bright lights, fires, and supposed deaths, completely orchestrated, holograms. I mean, we've got the technology for it. And suddenly, throughout Europe, little things like that are happening in remote villages that they control or outskirts. So the media is mandating people uh, that they have a curfew, that they must be careful, that they shouldn't get on social media or share pictures because it's dangerous for them and they will be targets. They will even demonstrate that by showing children, maybe, or a group of persons recording these aliens doing stuff, and then their whole families are targeted and taken out. Whatever. Just whatever. They will instill fear. And in the name of fear... And in the name of this attack that could be ongoing, people will start to forfeit their rights and abandon traditional uh, means of communication of this you know, century. Social media, texting calls. Maybe communications will be ceased for a while because you know the aliens are using it. This is like really crazy. I just want you to hear me out. And in that sense... President Trump will be like, well, they're over there and yeah, whatever, deal with it. We're not dealing with it. And they will shame us for not accepting that this is true. The mainstream media will participate in it, how we're allowing people to get killed by aliens and we're not complying. And this is 72%. And we have never had such an extraordinary number. 
The only thing that will allow all people of all race, color, creed, member states, whatever their political ideologies are, either they believe in socialism or they believe in capitalism, they believe in freedom or slavery, whichever it is, they would come together in thought of, you know, being extinct or eradicated or, you know, they'd take it patriotically as human beings. Now, the next... Uh, you know, scenario is going to war with Russia and that Russia would actually participate. But that would be really difficult. I mean, Russia is on very rocky relations and that was like a, you know, 12 percent percentage there uh, on going to war with the European Union, uh, forcing them to uh, comply, the European citizens, to comply, forfeit rights, uh, censor media, censor communications, or pretty much kill them all, kill all media whatsoever, so no communications happen. And again, utilize that uh, the United States is not participating, ergo, they're allowing Russia to destroy the European Union. And then there was like a 5% chance of China being the target that China is uh, perpetuating this war and that, you know, Japan, North Korea, South Korea, Thailand, you know, India all kind of group up against each other. So it's like a Eurasian war. Um, So these are all scenarios of how they would be able to accelerate the process of people forfeiting their rights. And the alien theory, man, it sounds so out there, but it would be the most plausible in the fact that that is something you know, I'm pretty sure our government can't mitigate. Like, how do you mitigate that when you have millions upon millions of people not really knowing if it's true or not and saying, well, maybe it's true and this is why the government hasn't told us and this is why they're so secretive, tapping into that, why haven't they told us about them existing and that they're coming to attack us and annihilate us now out of all times, right? Because we're in turmoil ourselves. I know it sounds out there, but I'm just putting it out there so you guys can know because there's a bunch of think tanks online that think of how things will propagate. So I wanted to put it out there because it's funny, but also, you know, so out there that it actually would make sense. Uh, because it is 2019 and we've seen some really, really crazy things happen, things you wouldn't imagine happen. And this would be the icing on the cake. So again, our president is being, he's actually feared by many, by all nations across the world, Uh, Because he is not controlled. He will not comply. He will not uh, deviate from his moral compass and the reason he ran. And this is something that they knew about ever since they started monitoring him. The question should lie in who was his cellular provider? I would urge the FBI... President Trump's new FBI or intelligence community, his intelligence community and AG Barr, to take a look and see who was his cellular phone provider from 2012 up until 2015. Because private companies, for some reason, have some loopholes 
where your First Amendment right, your Fourth Amendment right to due process as well, is never honored. As long as it's done under cloak and dagger, right, Mueller? Project Red. Operation MG. Remember that? No, you don't, because I'm telling you about it. I'm going to introduce something that will be coming out to light soon, which is this spying. has nothing to do with the FISA warrants or the applications to it. And the reason I say this is because the funding for various activities, nefarious activities with governments like Iran were allowed to happen under the Obama administration. President Trump, his family, his associates, and his company were lightly monitored from Thanksgiving of 2012 up until he announced, uh, well, no, I think it was like December of 2014, where they shifted gears and started to collect. See, they were collecting upstream data before that, but it was more aggressive around 2014, Christmas time. See, they were using methods and ways in which they push to monitor their own actors. Allow me to elaborate. So if you've noticed, I mentioned how Standard Chartered Bank in London was paying fines and was you know, found guilty by the Department of Justice for aiding and money laundering and financing Iran. Well, Unicredit Bank AG, which is based in where? Munich. Which, by the way, Unicredit Bank AG, AG just stands for like, you know, company, associated company, whatever. It's like a European thing. Um, Which is, which operates under many names, but specifically this one was Hypo Verlinsbank. And basically, they entered into a guilty plea. A guilty plea where they're paying over $1.3 billion for violating U.S. sanctions to Iran. They were literally creating ways to avoid detection of the U.S. financial system on behalf of these sanctioned entities in Iran. Specifically, Iran shipping. So this was announced uh, the other day by the Justice Department, too. So we're cracking down on the banks and the monies and how they funneled them. How much do you want to make a bet that some of this money was federal tax dollars? I'm just saying. Not just facilitating payments and money laundering. They orchestrated ways to disallow detection from U.S. financial um, systems. They have to pay fines to New York State because they violated their law in New York City, uh, the federal government as well. I mean, what they did was that they literally routed illegal payments through U.S. banks. Who are these U.S. banks? I think we're going to be taking a good look at um, Wells Fargo soon. 
implicated in all of things on that one, right? So money running through our U.S. banking systems, spying, running through our private, private telecoms company. Funny how we change contracts and have different government contracts now with different cellular providers. Funny, isn't it? Funny how we have two criminal conspiracy indictments. One of them is definitely involving Mueller. It's really funny. Now, uh, uh, while all of us are, are waiting to see what transpires this week, the only thing that can guide us to understand it is with what our president is saying, and he is saying nothing. And when the president says nothing, then a lot is happening. What's that old saying? You're praying to God and you're not getting an answer, but that doesn't mean he's not doing the work, right? It's all coming to fruition. So the question that all of us should have on our mind is they know it's inevitable. They can't stop what's coming. So what is going to be the mitigation they're going to use? Because this is going to collapse a global media industry. This is going to break relationships that have been in place for many years and create new ones where they didn't exist. We see it with the breaking up of alliances throughout the world right now that we can't even see between Africa, Australia, the Asian coast islands, Indian Ocean, South America, you name it. They are burning and building bridges where you didn't think a bridge could exist. And then we have Space Force. So it's just something, food for thought for everyone. When you know something's inevitable, the only thing you can do at that moment is mitigate. So we need to understand that when there's silence coming from our president, he's probably examining their mitigation tactics. And what was the thing that I've always said? It's not about making you as a spy. It's figuring out how you're going to use and what methods will be applied. On that note, from all of us here at Red State, I wish you a great evening. Be happy and healthy, and we'll see you here tomorrow. Same time, same place. Thanks for tuning in. From all of us at Red State, God bless.